Hello and welcome to a special mini episode of the Mexican Soccer Show. I'm Cesar Hernandez, your host for today, and I'm joined by Rochdale's favorite son and most famous celebrity after the drummer for Good Charlotte. It's Tom Marshall. Tom, how are you doing? And have you heard of Good Charlotte? I tried to sneak that in as a joke. I don't even know if you know who Good Charlotte is. Yeah, I know who Good Charlotte is. Have you never heard of Lisa Stansfield? What is a what is a Lisa Stansfield, Tom? I have no Lisa idea. Stansfield. Lisa Stansfield. I've been around the world, and I, I, I can't find my baby. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she was big in the eighties. <laughs> I actually googled like Rochdale, like 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 Rochdale Wikipedia, and then like oh, yeah. I went in there and I tried looking like notable people from Rochdale, and I did not know anybody from that list. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a long list, is it? <laughs> but yeah. What can you do? What can you do? You try, don't you? You try, but yeah, no, all good. Um, all good here in Mexico City. Yeah, um, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? The international break. I wasn't really ready for it this time. I don't know about you, Cesar, but I was kind of enjoying Liga MX, enjoying the kind of you know the playoff rush and stuff like that. And it just, I don't know, it's weird because it it seems to have changed this season now, where it's kind of we've got. We've got one week left after the international break for everything to to kind of be decided. But um, but at the same time, um, I think like like both of us have said um, on this show and stuff is you know I like what Tata Martino's doing with his squad and I think the exciting thing about these games is again seeing some of those younger players and seeing how they they're developing within Tata Martino's system. Yeah, so like Tom talked about right there, I mean, we're recording this uh, on a Wednesday uh, during the international break. Mexico just has a couple games left uh, for 2019. So uh, for those who aren't aware, Mexico's uh, going to be taking part in two Nations League matches, one on November 15th versus Panama, another on November 19th versus Bermuda. Uh, the first one will be in Panama. The second one will be in Toluca, which I guess is now Mexico's second home now it seems like <laughs> after seeing that other friendly recently but i mean uh, the point of this episode for me to, uh, uh for me and tom is we're gonna be talking about those two upcoming games and we're gonna be talking about the roster as well because tom the the bigger news that came out uh i want to say earlier today um because i missed some of the news earlier today but it said uh, jonathan dos santos is out from the roster and it looks like uh charlie rodriguez has stepped in and even even without Jonathan Dos Santos, I still think that this is a, a pretty decent and well-balanced roster. I don't know how you feel. Uh, about the roster, I think that... I mean, yeah, it is It is what it is. It's, it's part of Tata Martino's plan to to promote these younger players and to test them out. Um, you know, I, I, look at the, I do look at it, though, and I look at the especially the central midfield positions, and there's not too much in terms of experience. I mean, I think when, you, you know, when Herrera's not in there, when Guardado's not in there, uh, you know, Fabian's not in there now. Um, you know, and with Jonathan Dos Santos out as well, it's kind of you've got four names that have kind of been regularly in that squad um, now out. And, and you know, in terms of the players that can step up, I mean, obviously you've got someone like Eddie Gutierrez, who, you know, we know all about, we've known all about for a while. But um, I think it's, I think that's, I think the central midfield area is an, is an opportunity for, for some of those players to step up, um, obviously depending on on what Tata Martino wants to do in terms of balancing out these players out between the two games, because you know I think there's a big difference between this first game on Friday going down right. to Panama. Um, it, it's not easy. The grass is is regularly 
pretty long down there. I remember the last time I was there, it was absolutely raining heavily, you know, torrential storm. It's it's not an easy place to go and get a result. So I think there's a big difference between that and then playing at home in Toluca at altitude against Bermuda. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, even though later on I'm going to talk about how maybe we're taking this game a little too lightly, or at least some of us are taking this game a little too lightly. Um, I've, I'm not too worried when I heard that Jonathan Dos Santos news. I wasn't too worried when I heard that here at Mier, because remember, that's, a, that's another injury uh, that we had uh, in this call-up when I heard that he was going to go out. I wasn't too worried. And no, no, I know, I think that, I, and I know that maybe there's some maybe perhaps external factors as to who was and wasn't selected in this roster, but I mean, if we're t- looking at 2019 as a whole, if we're looking at the end of uh, Tata's first year with the team, I'm pretty happy with the way that he's treated the squad, the way he's treated the roster, the mini camps that he's had. And when you look at this squad, it's a nice balance of not only young faces, but you know, young faces that look like they're going to be the future of the national team. At least in theory, they're supposed to be the future national team. And also, we still have, I mean, even without John Dos Santos there, we still have some pretty reliable slash, you know, you know, marquee names like Raul Jimenez, like Hector Moreno, like uh, Shaka Rodriguez, like Ochoa, you know, and even though they're a little bit younger, I'm going to add them to the list too, but like Edson Alvarez too, like Jesus Gallardo. You know, I, I think as long as you have that core of players in the 11 against Panama, I can't imagine that Mexico is going to run into too many problems. I mean, I expect them to run. I mean, I guess I can say that I wouldn't be surprised if they were to run into a few, but I'm not going to go out of my way to say that they're going to get a loss here, you know. But I think as long as you, you have that core, I'm not too worried about Mexico's chances. And I like the fact that, once again, it's this this, this call, but I guess it kind of feels like it, it's kind of symbolic of the wide net that Tata has set over L3's talents, you know. It's a willingness to not only look at, you know, an A team or a B team, but also incorporating players who could technically be a part of a C team. So that's that's what I'm kind of feeling happy about. And against weaker opposition, I, I'm I'm not I'm not too worried about what, what's going to happen this week or next week in the Nations League matches. Yeah, honestly, I'm not even uh, for me for me the results aren't aren't the the biggest thing here. And I know that's strange to say because it's an official competition, but it, it's all about seeing these younger players and seeing them adapt. And I think Tata Martino as well is looking at the older ones. You know, for sure, with Hector Moreno now in Qatar, he's going to be looking at Moreno and seeing his his level of play, level of fitness, sharpness, compared to someone like Cesar Montes, who, you know, over the last couple of weeks with Antonio Mohamed back at Monterrey, is all of a sudden, you know, recapturing that form that that had a lot of us kind of really excited. Um, you know, so so I think that's going on as well. Um, Guillermo Ochoa probably put in the same boat, um, although I think his position is fairly secure. But yeah, I agree with Edson. I think when you look down the squad now, um, and you know, I've I've kind of picked a team for that I think could be, you know, what what we see on Friday. But but the thing that one of the things that stood out as I was doing it is that Edson Alvarez is the one that you can't replace. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, you know, it's like exactly we, we can go through all the positions and you could, you know, like I said, this isn't a best eleven. This isn't a kind of you know who should be starting at left back. Should it be Gallardo or should it be Christian Galeran? You know. It could be either because you know the, the because they've got two games and and Martino's likely to shuffle. Um, I think right now Gallardo's probably got the position, but Calderon's playing. He's an absolute beast. Um, but you see a clear and, when you have a depth chart. And I'm sure you have a depth chart right now, but it's like you see a clear backup at every position in this four three three, and that's just not the case with Edson Alvarez. You know. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Edson is the absolute focal point. If you don't have him as that holding midfielder, then who is it? I mean, Diego Reyes isn't in this squad. You know, it's not been talked about a lot, but uh, I know he's had his kind of, you know, injury problems since coming to Tigres, but I think he's played one league MX game so far. He was left on the bench last weekend. Um, you know, if, if he's, in theory, the guy who's going to step up and be that, you know, kind of second holding midfielder, or maybe Herrera, um, you know, depending on the opposition and the, the ongoing debate over, you know, if that's his best position or not. Uh, but yeah, Edson Alvarez, when you watched him, even though he only came on for like 20 minutes the other day uh, against Chelsea. I don't know, just seeing him at Stamford Bridge and seeing the way he organised stuff and not just on the ball, but I remember, um, I think I wrote an article, no, I, I, was re- I was listening to a podcast the other day. I think the Totally Football Show. Um, so it wasn't called the Mexican Soccer Show, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> and I think there's a guy, Pat Nevin, on there who... You know, he was absolutely blown away that even uh, Ajax, with nine players, were still pressing high. They were still yeah. trying to pin Chelsea into the defensive. You know, they had a you know a throw-in or something, and they were still trying to pin them in and stop them getting out. But Edson Alvarez was one of the players leading that. You know, he was he you know with his arm movement, he was telling players, "Let's let's go and get him. Let's not sit back. Let's not invite him on." And so Edson is just I don't know. I can see him playing in the Premier League. I think he's uh, he's just developing. I don't know. It's, it, obviously, it's different with a with a more defensive player than say a, a Lozano or a Chicharito or Raúl Jiménez, who you know every every time they score a goal, it's kind of you know Twitter goes crazy. With Edson Alvarez, it's kind of he's just doing it now week in week out. He's learning, um, and yeah, no, I, I think he's 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 not just a key player, but I think what how he's gone about moving to Europe has become. So far, a kind of um, example for us to follow. Um, and I know you said before, Cesar, you know, Mexico have got some good young players and mm-hmm. and the depth shot is shaping up. And uh, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, you know, we can go through, you know, a lot of names now who have come through this year, who maybe a year ago, before Tata Martino took over, we had some question marks about, you know, are the international quality, can they do it? And I think we've had some of those kind of answered this year um, to a degree, obviously, you know, when you play in mainly CONCACAF opposition and friendlies, there's there's always going to be that question mark when they step up. Um, but um, in in terms of you know the players, in in terms of that that batch of players, though, I, I still think my biggest concern is them going Europe. You know, yeah. is them going out of that comfort zone. It's not even about you know necessarily getting up to a better league because you can argue that. There's teams in Mexico that are, that are the level of Holland or Portugal, no problem. You know what I mean? It's not even about the level. It's about going out of your comfort zone, experience something a, a little bit different than, than you're used to in terms of training, um, in terms of you know sports science, just, just challenging yourself. And I think that that's, for me, looking forward to 2020, is going to be, are we going to see that? You know, Are we going to see the likes of Pizarro? Are we going to see the likes of Obelín Pineda, Roberto Alvarado, Antuna go back there, Eric Aguirre? You know, Sebastian Cordova, um, you know, Charlie Rodriguez. I mean, there's a, you know, JJ Macias. I mean, the, that batch of players, all of them are good enough to play in Europe. It's not like there's, <laughs> there's any debate, you know, Christian Calderon. But, you know, when you when you look and, you know, I'm sure, Cesar, you know, you've been following, you know, we follow the rumors, no? And a lot of those players that I just mentioned are now being rumored in this tran- in this January transfer window yeah. to be moving within Liga MX. And for me, that more than what happens in Panama, more than what happens in against Bermuda, 
is is concerning that. And no offense, obviously, to the clubs, but it's just you know, Eric Aguirre now is played for Morelia, he's played for Pachuca, he's won title, you know, he's is is one he's been at the Olympics, is you know, he's played in international uh, international first team level. It's like his next step has to be to, to move on, not to go to Chivas, which is on paper not even as good a team right now as as Pachuca. Yeah, but at the same time, should we I mean this is kind of diving into a different conversation here a little bit. Should Mexico fans <laughs> feel like slightly positive knowing that the amount of money that teams in Europe are now spending? Because I feel like that was one of the bigger hurdles, right? Was the amount of money that a Mexican player cost, amount of money that let's say a Pizarro cost when he's not even like imagine the amount of money that he costs right now for a European team and they're like, is he a a key starter for the Mexican national team? Is he a go-to starter for the Mexican national team? He's not, so why would they justify that price? But now if what? I feel like you listen to so many podcasts where someone's saying like, oh, blah, 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 was such a steal for 20 million euros, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like, it, should we feel more positive about that? Or maybe every time we hear, oh, this team spent 20 million euros, this team spent 30 million euros, and it was like nothing, it was just like chump change for them. Maybe those are just kind of more the bigger like high power teams and maybe it's just making me feel a little positive but i just feel like maybe there's a chance just because you know, that was a bigger hurdle was the fact that these players are so expensive and maybe there's there's a little bit more of a chance just because of the the, the ridiculous amount of money that these players are now going for in europe i know there's an entirely different conversation but i no. think that's just been one of the bigger hurdles yeah no it's no it's fascinating i mean i think in terms, if you look at the premier league i think 100 percent. but then the, pre- the problem with the premier league is to get a work permit is difficult and so All then right. you look at kind of Spain or Holland and you look at the mid-table teams, I'm still not sure if those teams have got the money. I think Spain, the Spanish teams now do have a lot more because, you know, of the collective TV agreement in, in recent years, you know, I think they've got more spending power. But still, if they've got a kid in the youth system and the youth systems are very, very good, then why spend $15 million on a on a Mexican if, if you've got someone potentially coming up, you know? Um I think I think I still think it's I still think it's complicated. I think I think the big the big thing is gonna is gonna be if um, what's it called free agency is actually yeah. implemented because yeah. obviously you know yeah. we've, we've we've got the we've got let's not forget we've got this on, ongoing investigation from the Monopolies Commission you know the the Mexican Monopolies Commission investigating Liga MX investigating Liga MX club because of the Pacto de Caballeros. And so I think we're going to hear the results in a couple of years. So it's not going to be kind of an overnight thing. But I think there's a realization between the owners now as well that you know that that perhaps you know freedom of agency is going to come about. In theory, it's now happening. But I think we saw with Adrian Mora, who Toluca forgot. That, and this is pretty funny, but Toluca forgot to renew the con- the guy's the kid's contract. And he's a good player. You know, left footed centre back, physically. You know, he's a, he's a really good player. Um, and Tigres just stepped in. And kind of signed him up, but then obviously you know Tigre and Toluca they're in the same league, they know each other, the ownerships know each other, and they did a deal, you know. And so Mora stayed in in Toluca and obviously got a new contract, and I'm sure some money went to Tigres for the, yeah. you know, for the bother. But I mean that's the kind of thing that you need. So you've got someone like Adrian Mora who's who's who had minutes in Liga MX, thanks to La Volpe, I think mainly, but you know his contract then runs out, and then a European clubs comes in you know what i mean and i think that i think mexican the mexican leagues um increasingly connected to be honest to the to the outside world because i think five years ago 10 years ago 15 you know it it was very it was isolated it was you know it was a bubble 
And I do think now there is an awareness um, that that you know the, the the Mexican the Mexican game has to work in the international in the global you know, in the global system. And I think that that's going to help in terms of players going abroad. But, you know, there's still that, you know, for example, Pizarro, um, kind of know, somebody knows his agent really well and, and it's a struggle. It's a struggle yeah. for, to get, because he's desperate to go to Europe. It's a struggle to get that European club, not to just to have him like number three on the list of an attacking midfield player. You know what I mean? But to have them number one on the list and then to pull out the money, even though he's got a clause in his contract, which, you know, I think it's, 10 million or something it's half the price that it would be for a, a Liga MX club and so you know I don't know that that's worrying to me I mean I know Pizarro you know there's a couple of question marks about Pizarro but he's also a very very good player and I'm surprised to be honest that a European club hasn't just come down and said is he 10 million you know I'll take him no no problem um but- Maybe, so, yeah, maybe Mexico probably... fans, Mexico fans. I mean, I mean, we should probably go back to the starting eleven that we or like this is the yeah. uh, Panama game. But maybe Mexico fans should uh, should uh, hoping for like another like Eric Gutierrez moment. Be like, all right, Borussia Dortmund. Hopefully, you make it to the knockout round of the Champions League. All right, Leipzig. All right, Lyon. Like, all right, like all these teams sometimes who are like connected with like Mexican players. Maybe yeah. there's a chance that like if they get a little bit of money after qualifying for the knockout round of uh, the Champions League, maybe they'll have a little bit extra cash. Uh, like an Eric Gutierrez like situation, any of those teams that might have been like rumored to to L three talent could potentially now afford them. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, and, sorry to say. Yeah, no. The other thing I think as well is I think that you know if you look at like the kind of the Mexican economy is not doing amazing right now, um, and I think we're seeing and I think we have seen kind of clubs acting more rationally in the transfer yeah. market. Yeah, I think I think you see, you've got models now within Liga MX that are that are rational. When I say rational, I mean you know they want to balance the books more. Uh, they see value in in kind of buying a player to sell him on in two years. Um, they see value in you know promoting. I mean, for example, that that last example is Nakaxa summed up. Santos Laguna summed oh, up. Say sure, Nakaxa Santos, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Atlas is going to do that as well. Um, you know, I th- we've even seen to a degree Cholos do that. They've been quite good at selling on players. Oh, yeah. um, you know, and then you've got a model that you know, for example promoting younger players to then sell them on. I mean, I think Pachuca is that, you know, is that example, but, but also America is that example now. Yeah. You know, America is no longer that club that that will splash, you know, the, the, like it was in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, that, that is just this, you know, just has unlimited money, just goes out and, and splashes money on, on, you know, amazing, amazing South American players and that's it. I mean, they'll do that now. They'll go and, but they'll, but they'll do it strategically. They're doing it with intelligence. They'll do it with players that they know they can they can sell on as well. Like look how much they got for Mateo Soribe, for you know uh, Machacin, you know Guido Rodriguez. If they we'll see what happens with him because his contract's up in May. But you know if, if they re-sign him, they can sell him on for good money as well. But then all the rest of them, you know, the youngsters, the homegrown products. I mean, how much have America made on those? Yeah. You know, on on Liners, on um, Edson Alvarez, on Diego Reyes, on Raúl Jiménez. Um, Guillermo Ochoa back in back in the day, you know, if you combine all them, they've got a model going on there as well. So I think that's a reason to be hopeful. I think I think like I said, it feeds back into what I was saying. I think the Mexican teams are increasingly plugged in now to the world market. I mean, they're not there yet, but I think they're they're getting there. They're moving closer, um, and I think as hopefully, which is what Liga MX wants to do. That's why, yeah. you know, we see with this Veracruz issue. I mean. It's an absolute PR disaster 
but it stems from the the league don't want any government interference. The league don't want people in within the within the league that that um, can't pay the bills and stuff. Um, and I know it's the argument is why why did why were they allowed to pay that kind of fine? But but um, you know things are changing. Things are changing pretty quickly with, within League MX. Um, there's going to be hiccups, no doubt about it. But I do think it's a league that is focused on. You know, being being more global and just being kind of, I don't know, a, a little bit more, I don't know, normal or strategic in the way that it operates. Well, that wraps up our Panama versus Mexico preview. Like Tom <laughs> said right there, Panama is going to get a five nothing win again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Tom, <laughs> I know we could definitely like go on and on about that, like just because it's kind of fascinating to think about the future of the Mexican game. But let's. <laughs> that was a big. Uh... Sidetrack that one. It. <laughs> hey, we, we do what we want here, whatever. Uh, but Tom, let's look back uh, at Friday's game, and maybe that's kind of indicative of, of maybe how we aren't paying enough attention to the opponent. Maybe maybe aren't taking them seriously enough because a big issue here is maybe not the issue. I mean, you even said it earlier, right now, that like talking about how you're not really paying attention to the results is more so, you know, of the players, the transfers going on this winter, you know, and then, um, you know, I was thinking about just like the future of the national team and I'm not like too worried about Panama, but maybe, I don't know, maybe by the time the next Mexican soccer show rolls around, it's just gonna be an angry podcast, about, you know, <laughs> you know, how could we let, you know, Annabelle Godoy like score from like a shot from outside the 18 yard box, like, how did Roman like Torres like you know body off Raul Jimenez you know you know for the entire ninety minutes and we got to keep in mind you know I mean I checked uh, Soccerway which is excellent source for soccer stats and according to them the last time Mexico scored more than one away goal in a game in Panama was back in nineteen thirty eight you know this is <laughs> no way this is yeah. Central yeah. American and Caribbean games a match between Mexico and Panama that ended in a two to two draw and the last game between Mexico and Panama that was in Panama. That was only a one nothing win in 2017 for Mexico. So I, I know we'd, we'd love to talk about the future of the Mexican game. I know we'd love to talk about, you know, some of the exciting young talents and how we want to see them go to Europe. But man, I mean, we, we could potentially run into some trouble here this Friday. I don't know. I, it's just I, I know I said I was like feeling a little. I mean, here's another thing. I, I'm going to dive into another thing. But I feel like another sign of how we're not worried at all about this game is that my dad called me earlier today. Um, he's just, just as much of a fan of the Mexican national team as I am. And he asked me, he was like, hey, so uh, what time's uh, the, the game? And every time he talks about the game, he's always talking about, you know, Mexico playing. I'm like, oh, yeah. let me check. I'm like, uh, let me check. I think it's at Friday. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like the U-17s. He's like, in his mind, yeah. he's like, why are we even talking about Friday? <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah. why are we, yeah, so are, are, we, are, we, are we a little too cautious? You know, not too cautious, but are we a little too, like, like, not worried about this game because maybe we should be on Friday. No, I don't. I don't think it's a case of worrying. I think it's a case of it's just difficult to hype it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think yeah. you know it's it's a challenge. The Nations League, the Concacaf Nations League, is is a real challenge um, because it's new um, and Mexico playing Concacaf opposition. It's a difficult sell. Um, I think you know we'll talk about it in a bit, but we've seen kind of off the field issues again. You know, dominating the Mexican media, media a couple of days out from the game, particularly with the Chicharito and going back to the September friendlies. But we'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit. But uh, but yeah, I think it's more that it's more that it's a, it's you know Mexico are practically through to the June game anyway, so there's not much on the line. Let's be honest about it. It's not that not yeah. lying. You know, there's not much on the line for for Mexico. It's more a case of it's more of the hardcore fans. No, it's it's you know, it, what do you want to see? Do you want to see the development of the players from that point of view? 
you know, it's exciting. But also Panama. I mean, it's a weird stage, not just for Mexico, not just for Panama. A lot of national teams all over the world are using, they've used this year, 2019, the year after the World Cup, as a rebuild. Um, yeah. and, and Panama are doing the same. I mean, uh, Américo Gallego um, is not popular with the, with the Panamanian fans. They've not had good results. They lost to Bermuda. Um, you know, there's a generational change going on there as well. Um, you know, they're 80th in the, in the rankings. I mean, Panama... You know, qualify for the 2018 World Cup. They very nearly got into the 2014 World Cup, and I think now it's kind of you know they need they need something to happen. Um, but for them, it's a massive game. I think this yeah. is the this is the difference. This is the this is the test for Mexico for me. For Panama, it's a massive game because by June 2020, they've got to be in the top six of the yeah. Concacaf rankings. If they want to get into the hex, that's how you get into the hex. Um, and 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 if they're not there then, you know, forget the World Cup. And so they need to win this game because if they don't win this game, then they're not going to get the points needed. And if they beat Mexico, who's ranked 11th in the world, then then I think they'll move up. I'm not an expert in the FIFA rankings. I don't know don't know many people who are, but, but, um, but at least they'll be able to go from 9th, what they are now in CONCACAF, and at least they'll be pushing then. Um, so, so it's a big game for them. Um, not so much for Mexico, but, but in, in that's, that's what the challenge is. They need to. They need to go to Panama. They need to be, you know, serious about it. Tata Martino, be drilling that into him. Um, and and obviously, considering it's nowhere near a, a first team for Mexico, I think that um, you know it's it's time time to challenge the players because this is by far, in some ways, the hardest game of it, maybe the year. I don't know. Is that an exaggeration? No, I mean, no, not at all. I, I suppose. I suppose you know the Argentina game. It, yeah, it's more difficult. The Argentina, the Argentina game is more difficult. But you know, even if you look at the Gold Cup, it's like Mexico playing at home all the time. Even in the final against the States, the States are pretty terrible right now. So maybe going to Panama in the conditions and everything like that. Maybe this is, if it's not the hardest, but it's one of the hardest games of the year. So you know, that's that's what I'm kind of excited about in this game. It's a it's a test for Mexico, and it's especially a test for these young players because we've seen them all year. All year, we've seen them develop. You know, I think I think in general we've been happy with what's you know what Tata Martino has done, but now we want to see him go into this you know a hostile or more hostile setting and and see if they can produce as as well as they have done in in a lot in the vast majority of the kind of friendlies um, or the or the Gold Cup. And even though even if the opponent isn't that exciting for Mexico, it's still I mean you talked about the FIFA rankings that it's important for Panama for them to find the way you know up the uh, FIFA rankings, but for Mexico. You know, whether we'd want to admit it or not, these are actually pretty significant for them. And they actually, so there's actually like an equation, which I spent far too much time punching in the numbers <laughs> of uh, how many points these games would actually be worth. So Mexico getting a win over Bermuda. Okay, so that's you know, when you punch that into the equation, that's not worth a lot of points. It's only worth like 1.3 points. So it's not significant right there for Mexico. But Mexico defeating uh, Panama, uh, in the the groups in the group stage of the Concacaf Nations League, that goes up to three point nine points. But now, what becomes even more significant is the knockout round. If Mexico, let's say Mexico gets Honduras in the semis of the Nations League, because it's a semi of this of like an official blah 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 competition and not just the group stage. If Mexico would get a win over Honduras in the semis of the Nations League, that's worth seven points. So that's worth more points. Then if Mexico were to beat Belgium, the number one ranked FIFA team right now in a friendly. So it's 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 really, really significant. It's quite yeah. significant. And one of the things that they one of the things that they take uh, 
into account here uh, for these rankings, uh, of course, is the how like how high the, your opponent is uh, in these rankings. So for Panama, if they were to get if they were to get a win here against Mexico, not saying it's going to happen, but if they were to get a win, that would be extremely significant for them uh, in their race for a higher position in the FIFA rankings. So that's just something that we can't yeah. ignore. Whether it be for Panama, whether it be for Mexico, these games are very, very significant. Yeah. No, and um, just just before before going through the kind of uh, predict, predicted starting eleven and having a debate about you know how we see Tata Martino approaching approaching this game, um, I don't know. Obviously, Tata Martino has said he what he doesn't want to be facing too many Concacaf opposition that it's too much. Jurgen Klinsmann has been you know saying that it's tough to develop an elite team if you're within CONCACAF and playing con- and CONCACAF all the time. But let's not forget, if it w- if the Nations League wasn't happening, then World Cup qualifying would be. Um, yeah. And so when you actually add up the, the games, Mexico, in qualification for the 2018 World Cup, played 16 World Cup qualifying games because obviously you've got that round before the, you know, the group stage round before the, before the hexagonal. Um, but this time around, Mexico, because of the the FIFA rankings, will go straight into the hexagonal. They will they will they don't need to play that um, that what's it called round the uh, the pre- pre- preliminary round. And yeah, it's so like, it's like what like the fifth round at that point, or fourth <laughs> yeah, round. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so and so after that, you know, you've got these Nations League game, and it's maximum six games. You know, it's two games in October, two games in November, and then the final in June. And so. In theory, they're only playing 16 games, so not much has changed. It's just that instead of playing the World Cup qualifiers, they're yeah. now playing the um, you know the Nations League. And in theory, because Mexico in the top league, they should be playing better opposition. Uh, I don't think the draw was great for Mexico. I didn't like the Bermuda and yeah. Panama, to be honest. I mean, if you look at the States group, obviously they've got Cuba, which are an absolute disaster right now. But you know, a game against Canada, or, you know, that would have been more more appealing because they're like a team on the rise, whereas Panama are in reconstruction. But you know, it is what it is. But anyway, all I'm saying is, I'm not, you know, the, obviously there's a debate over. Obviously, you'd want Mexico to be playing Copa America next summer. I mean, I think yeah. that's a massive, massive blow, no doubt about it. You can't kind of, I don't think you can paper that over. But at the same time, it's like some of the criticism is it's not unfounded. But it doesn't give the context. Is in that last, you know, last time around World Cup qualifying were much longer for Mexico. So it's not kind of Nations League and then, you know, six games Nation League and then six games in the, you know, sixteen games in in World Cup qualification. Uh, Mexico yeah. is still going to have those times to to play the friendlies. But what what happens with Mexico as well? If you feed the sum games in, so you've got the five sum games in a year. Yeah, that's awesome. And all of a sudden, yeah. it's it's difficult to to get those, those top opposition. I mean, I think a lot of the South American teams, <laughs> with uh, no disrespect, go for money. I mean, where they're playing at the minute in Israel, uh, Argentina yeah. against Uruguay. You know, you've got somebody playing in Bangladesh or something. I can't remember which team it was. I think it was Paraguay or something. You know, they go where the money is. So you, you, Mexico are always going to be able to attract those teams, and they have. I mean, Mexico played a lot of South American opposition uh, since the 2018 World Cup. But then, yeah, to get I was going to say team, it's, like, it's like we couldn't. It's like we couldn't go to the Copa America. It's like fine, we'll bring the Copa America to us: Argentina, Chile, <laughs> Paraguay, Venezuela, Ecuador. Let's yeah. go, friendlies. Yeah. But to get the European teams is yeah. very difficult. You know, I think the Netherlands are going to come in March um, for the for the. Is it March or is it June? Mm, it's probably. June. I think it's going to be March, right? Because then in yeah. June it would be that's what the Nations League. But I know. I don't know. I know. 
Yeah, I can't remember, but but you know Dallas have got the game. I think I think that's going to be the Netherlands. So you know it's not impossible, but you you try going to a you know a, a European nation like a Germany or a France and telling them that they've got to go and they've got to come to Texas or to California mid-season. I mean, it's just the clubs are just never ever going to allow that. You know what I mean? Like in the middle of the season, that all the national team players are going on a transatlantic flight and then back. Um, to, to play a game against Mexico in you know in LA or even in New York, I mean it's it's a hard sell, and and those European nations as well are not as kind of driven by money as kind of the the South American nations. So I mean ideally Mexico would be going over to Europe in terms of a sporting point of view, but um, but just I don't know. Sometimes I just think we lose the context of everything that's going on, um, and and again I'm not saying what's going on is ideal, you know far from it in in many many ways, but. Sometimes you have to give a bit of context over uh, the decisions that people within the federation, the people in power, are actually making. But anyway, starting eleven. Starting eleven. What do you, you want me to go with mine? Or you want me to go with yours first? Um, I'll go with mine and then see see what you think. Right. Guillermo Ochoa. Yeah. Massa Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? 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 <laughs> What do you mean? Uh-huh. Uh, I, was, I was just I was just agreeing. I was like, wait a second. Wait I was just seeing if you're awake, Sessa. I was just seeing if you're awake. Clearly, I'm not Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I'm not Tom. I can't believe I just said a hundred of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, uh, I've got I've got a touring goal. I'm just thinking that. What is in front of him? <laughs> yeah, I, I just think Ochoa, just because of the experience. I think basically, I think this team is going to be a, a slight mix. I mean, I think it's largely going to be the strongest one he's got. But I do think that there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a couple in there. And, and there's some positions that, like I say, in midfield, there aren't many experienced faces there, you know, in terms of, you know, players that have been at World Cups. So I've got a Choring goal. I've got Chaka Rodriguez on right back. I've got Cesar Montes, um, centre back with Moreno, uh, obviously another experienced face. And then Gallardo on left back. Yep. Edson in front of him. Uh, he did pull up actually in training on Monday, but. I've not heard anything that um, that is serious or anything, and and as a side as well, there's not there's not as many leaks coming out these days compared to in the Piojo Herrera reign and Ferretti, and then and then with Osorio. Uh, so Edson holding midfield, I've got Aguirre, and I've got Guti, Gutierrez, kind oh. of the uh, interior midfielders. And they get Antuna, Macias, and, and Pizarro. Uh, just quick one on Macias. I just think Macias might start just because. I think Raul Jimenez was down to start this game, uh, but I think he, you know, he's had a little muscle problem with his hamstring. Uh, you know, he came into camp late. You know, the flight down to Panama as well. I tell you what, um, Nuno Espirito Santo won't be happy if if Raul Jimenez starts on Friday yeah. and and kind of picks something up because Raul is, you know, he's, he's, the last couple of weeks have been really really good for him as well. So. Um, so I'm, I wouldn't be totally surprised and if he's he plays, also played. Honest, he's but, played what, like a hundred games so far this season with the current county, the Europa League. In yeah, the twelve part. countries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. So that's that's my thinking behind it. I was actually surprised that Raul Jimenez was brought in the squad, um, be, just because of exactly that. You know, it, it's like it felt like it was a time to just give him a bit of time off, knowing that he's the number nine, knowing, knowing that his place is absolutely. You know, sewn up now. Basically, um, that's. I thought it might be time to um, to rest him, but yeah. Thoughts on the uh, on the team? I mean, I'm not kind of saying this is definitely going to be the team, but 
Um, I, I think I think it's a fairly strong one, um, yeah. and I think it's one that you know gives. I think it gives a good balance of players that have been there and seen it. You know, the Central American conditions, um, and and you know some younger faces with with things to prove. And we're assuming that this is the four three three with one D mid, right? Yeah, with Edson, Edson yeah. Alves as the defensive midfielder. Yeah, okay. Because for the most part, I do agree with you. Yeah, Ochoa kind of makes sense to me. And I think the first thing that came to mind for me when I was uh, creating my starting 11 is like, all right, who are the reliable slash like kind of like marquee slash like trusted names in this roster? So those uh, that I put in uh, were some that you already mentioned. It was Ochoa, it was Shaka, it was Moreno, it was Gallardo, it was Edson Alvarez, and then... Like you said, though, with Jimenez, I was a little unsure. So I have a question mark up top. So I'm not sure if it's going to be Jimenez or Macias. But you do make a good point there that, um, I mean, maybe he should be given a little bit of a break. And maybe it's a little bit of a surprise that he did. He was given a call up. So uh, back at defense, be, uh, it's going to be between Cesar Montes and Luis Romo. I think Cesar Montes makes sense to be playing right there alongside Moreno. Um, obviously, we talked about Edson Alvarez being uh, the clear choice right there as a D mid. And I think when I'm looking at the depth chart for this current roster, there is no clear option for me as his backup. But I'm, I do wonder with, with uh, two attacking midfielders, I, I think I do have Eric Gutierrez um, playing as kind of like the left center mid, but I'm still unsure if we're going to have Agui- Aguirre on the right-hand yeah. side. I mean, I think you could also make a case for Cordova because I've been pretty oh, yeah. impressed by him. Like, I, I've been fairly, fairly impressed by him and what he's done with the national team. And obviously, he's having a, a decent season with America. But at the same time, too, I know Charlie Rodriguez just showed up. I know that he just came into camp. Maybe he's the kind of player who would you rather give a start in the next game. But I've just been consistently impressed by him uh, every time he stepped onto the field from Mexico. And I've always been impressed by the confidence that he has uh, for a player who just recently started playing with Mexico. Because one thing that always comes to mind for me with Charlie Rodriguez is that I feel like and maybe I've just kind of like make this up myself, but I feel like he never really had kind of like a, a time where he needed to break in or needed to find his confidence. It just kind of seemed like he hit the ground running confidence wise on the field with Mexico. So maybe having someone like that play alongside Eric Gutierrez could potentially be the midfield, the ideal midfield for Mexico. So I'm still not sure about the yeah, midfield. I think it'd be more creative that way. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I think I think the Aguirre, Cordova... And Charlie Rodriguez is, I think that's up in the air. You could even throw Obelin yeah. Pineda in there. Um, yeah. You know, the, the only thing I'd say about Charlie Rodriguez is he's not had the best last month. I mean, yeah. I think that's why Tata Martino just said, you know, chill out, go with the un- under 22s. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he seemed, I don't know if he's lost a bit of confidence. It, it's normal, you know, he is, he is still a young player. He's not been around this first team, even with Monterrey too long you know he's i think this is pretty much the first year he's broke into the team as a starter so he deserves that but yeah no i agree that when he's when he's played with mexico he's stepped up um but it wouldn't surprise just because he's been i don't know i'd like to see cordova as well i, I was kind of on the on the edge between kind of aguirre and cordova uh just kind of sided with aguirre maybe offers a little bit more defensively um yeah. you know playing playing down in panama but you know, neither neither has surprised me. Aguirre as well can can drop back alongside Edson um, quite easily. Although Gutierrez can comfortably do the same. You know what I mean? So uh, so no, we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see how it works out. Um, I think centre back as well. Um, when I was looking at the kind of the options, there's not much. You know, yeah. if, if you don't pick Cesar Montes and Moreno, 
then your other options are, are you know, Vasquez, Louis, Romo, Sepulveda. Yeah, yeah, like Luis Romo has been playing mainly in the holding midfield for for Carretero, so, um, you know, but he is traditionally a centre back, so you know, do you you know where where where's where's Tata Martino thinking about playing him? Because I think he'll probably play holding midfield against Toluca. Um, you know, Gilberto Sepulveda. Um, you know, he's only just broke into the Chivas first team. I and, think a lot, a lot of people are, who are listening to this are saying, "Who? Who's yeah, that? <laughs> yeah. Unless if you're a Chivas fan, unless you're a Chivas fan, but yeah, yeah. But even, but you know, if you're saying who, who to Sepulveda, what about Johan Vasquez? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And and Johan Vasquez is actually pretty interesting. Um, I remember so, I saw him play in a friendly against San Jose, and um, I really liked him. And Tata Martino. This guy's played, I can't, I've not got the number off the top of my head, but very, very little first team ever. You yeah. know what I mean? And Tata's called him in more than once. You know, he's a, I think he's left footed centre back, and Tata really, he must really, really like him. So I, I think we're going to see him in the second game as well against Toluca. Um, but yeah, but it is, it is kind of a, there's, there's, not, there's not much depth in this squad in terms of um, in the centre back position. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's fairly, fairly, yeah. Um, yeah, I think fairly. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I think Calderon, if if he's playing at, at left back, um, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Instead of Gallardo, if you know, um, thingy Jorge Sanchez is playing at right back, that would not surprise me one bit either. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think that you need that core there. I think against Panama, I, th- yeah. I think it's his Panama side. Like I said, if Jimenez is up in the air, then you definitely need the Gallardos, the Morenos, the Ochoas, the Edson Alvarezes, and I think Shaka Rodriguez. You know, I, I think you just do need more faces like that. And although that might sacrifice an opportunity for a younger player, I just think that you just need a, uh, you know, a strong and reliable core there. So that that's why I, I feel like, yeah, maybe Gallardo and Shaka Rodriguez. Even though it would be nice to see Calderon and it would be nice to see Jorge Sanchez. Because ideally, I feel like if we were to have my my own ideal eleven, I'd have Jorge Sanchez over Shaka Rodriguez. But I just think that 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 the I, I wouldn't blame him for for going with some of the more reliable names. And up top, yeah. I and up top, I agree with you too. But I do think we're see Pizarro. I do think we're going to see Antuna. But we'll see what the status is with for Jimenez and whether Macias yeah. is going to get the start instead. Yeah, and I think I think when you look at that eleven, or you know how we've shaped it there, I think that the the game against Bermuda is quite quite easy as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I think you know. I think Hugo Hugo Gonzalez will probably start. I don't think Jurado's ready necessarily. I just think he's there. You know, he's taking it all in. Exactly, I don't think yeah. he needs to start. You know, um, you know. And then you've got Jorge Sanchez at right back. Then you've mm-hmm. got Calderon. Then you've got you know Johan Vasquez. Then you've got um, I don't Roma. know. If he, yeah, I don't know if he's going to play at centre back though. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think he's going to play at centre back. Maybe Cesar Montes plays both games. You know, and yeah. then Romo in front of them, you know, and then you play Cordoba maybe, and then you play, you know, Pineda, um, kind of the, the more advanced midfielders. You could even have Aguirre as a, as a defensive midfielder. If you yeah. really wanted to, you could have Aguirre there. I mean, obviously he doesn't have the same kind of physicality, you know, as Edson Alvarez, but against Bermuda, you really don't need, you might not need someone like that out there. You might need someone just like an Aguirre, you know, who could be a little bit more well-rounded attack-wise than, than yeah. Edson Alvarez, yeah. Yeah, um, and then, you know, I think, you know, Charlie Rodriguez, you know, whoever doesn't start, basically. And then Roberto yeah. Alvarado, I think, will come in. I think Pineda could even play left wing, cutting in off the left wing against Bermuda. Um, and then I think Macias will, will 
be starting the second game. Um, I won't. I won't surprise actually. Contradicting myself, if 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 Tata does just does play Raul, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see uh, how it goes. But um, what's your but, prediction? Because I think we got a couple of things to talk about. But what's your what's your quick prediction just to close things out? Because I'm gonna go with a a, a one nothing win for Mexico here. Uh, I'll go. I'll go two one Mexico. Um, yeah, it's it's never easy down there. I think the stats, like you said, Tessa. And make it clear that it's it's not easy. Um, but I think I don't think Panama are in a great place. I don't think the fans are really behind uh, Gallego, and I think Mexico's going to win. I think they're going to close the the year out with a uh, with a couple of victories. So yeah. But anyway, let's talk. Um, Shri MZ. What, what do you call it? Shri <laughs> MZ. Do you know what TMZ is? I said it. Yeah. So, so do you know what TMZ is like? It's like the gossipy oh, show. The first thing, <laughs> I, first thing I look at it, the website every morning when I wake up. <laughs> See what uh, Kim Kardashian's up to. I don't all even the, know what, all the I celebs. Know what, I don't even know what TMZ even stands. I just know about the tabloids from TMZ. I just don't even know like what what does that acronym even mean? I don't, I don't know. But anywho, so let's call it TMZ. That was all we saw, by the way, who the, thought of TMZ. I like name. it a lot. But. Uh, Tom, let's talk about Chicharito and Layun because, all right, so I've, I've been catching up on this, so it's, it's not like know. I've been, like, well-informed. And these things, it's always, like, when you talk about discussions like these, like, nine times out of ten, not even nine times, like, 100% of the time, it's like, I saw someone tweet this out, who said this thing, who said that thing, who said this thing, like, you would say plenty of rumors regarding Chicharito and Layun, but not being included in the roster. Some whispers say it's commercial reasons. Others say it's disciplinary due to something that happened in recent camps. There's other conspiracy theories as well. Maybe we're just, we just can't be bored for more than five seconds as members of the Mexican soccer media. So, Tommy, you're pretty well informed of these things sometimes. Maybe even got invited to a couple of parties. But, Tom, what's, what's going on here with Chicharito and Lane? A vow of silence. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. I mean, I mean, I mean, basically breaking down the story. It's the September friendlies. You know, Chicharito specifically. I'd say maybe take Layun out of it a little bit, um, but not entirely. But Chicharito, I think, has had ongoing issues with the national team. You know, for quite a while with with the image rights. He's kind of, you know, standing his ground and stuff. Um, you know, trying to trying to get get more money for 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 the stuff he does, but also for you know other players as well and, and so that the next generation of players gets there the money that's due to them because the, the FMF makes good money from obviously commercializing the, the Mexican national team which is a monster like on a world level an absolute monster so but anyway so I think that's been going on in the background obviously you had this this kind of party um, in before the World Cup and I don't think players were too happy about Chicharito about that um, because I think it was he. I don't know. I can't remember the full detail now. But the, the, there's a theory that that story got leaked by somebody linked to the security. And that's yeah. why apparently that's why he they, they the, the like apparently there's like a rumor that that's why he had to record and like release that video, right? Like uh, yeah, about the party. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what that's what the the rumor is. Um, and so that you know that it, you know Hector Herrera obviously had to leave camp in Denmark before the World Cup to go fly back to, I think, Portugal uh, to kind of patch things up with his wife before going to the World Cup. I mean, it is like 3MZ is not, it's not our place, is it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. ridiculous. So so anyway, so, you know, you'd have thought maybe, you know, the players would have learned that, I don't know, just, I mean, obviously nobody, 
nobody thinks they're kind of saints and that they should be locked up or anything. But I mean, the September, they you know they go to the brunch. You know what I mean? And and you know the the Layun comes out with a video and says, look, this was completely normal we can go do what we want in our own time when we'd be given time off you know what i mean we weren't boozing we weren't doing anything bad you know we'd won a game the night before it was a, it was a night off and then we then we met up with the rest of the team in the evening fine no problem but then other st- stuff started coming out and some messages and it's the difficult to verify but obviously you know kind of instagram models and the players were kind of organizing these models to kind of visit them in their hotels in both San Antonio and uh, New Jersey. And then it kind of all blew up. It all blew up from there and and, and some of the press got hold of it. Um, you know, Tata Martino has basically been quite strong in what he's, what he said about it. He said, you know, basically it's an internal issue, but we're going to investigate. And obviously all that's coincided with Chicharito not being called up to the national team since then. Uh, Tata Martino had said he kind of wanted to balance it out um, that the call-ups between October and November in terms of which Europe, Europe-based players he brought in. Now I don't think, and he said the players that played at the Gold Cup, you know, might not be involved. And so I thought, I thought, I think at that point it was assumed because Chicharito wasn't in the Gold Cup because you know his his kid was born. I think it was assumed that Chicharito would definitely be in one of these camps yeah. because you know why why wouldn't he be? You know what I mean? He's not even playing much right now for for Sevilla, um, and so so basically that's the the, the rumor is that Chicharito was one of the the players who kind of misbehaved, um, and that more than that, that actually he asked somebody who worked for the FMF to kind of do him a favor, um, and this is where it gets a bit blurry because we don't know exactly what went down. You know what I mean? Um, I think the 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 rumor, the suggestions that is that you know they invited girls into the hotel and that some guy from the FMF kind of you know made uh, you know what's that word like kind of facilitated that. Yeah. Um, the guy from the FMF had got fired. You know he's got fired for his actions in in the September window, um, and so Chicharito, there's people you know journalists coming out saying that Chicharito is not going to play for the Mexican national team again. Uh, Sergio Dip. From ESPN, he's like he's mates with Chicharito basically. So, so, so if he says anything, it's basically coming from Chicharito directly. So Chicharito doesn't know any about any any punishment. No, they've not talked yeah. to him about it. They've not they've 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 not spoken about about what's happened. Um, and so he he's kind of in the dark there. But you know, it does. You know, and I, I saw a tweet just before coming on, kind of, you know, saying from a big, big network saying, oh, Chicharito's lost his passion for the game, what's happened? I don't know. It's just... I don't know, Cesar. I mean, what, it's, what, it's, what do you think of it? I, the, the one thing I keep thinking about is, should we should we actually care? <laughs> you know, like, should we, as drills, like, actually care about these things? Should we actually, like, think twice about Should we... Are we just so hungry for, for stories or for headlines that these... I mean, I'm not saying us, but certain, like, members of the media. And, like, as you've... You've mentioned other people have mentioned before in the past. It's not like it's like hardcore like sports journalists who are doing this. It's like more so of like kind of like tabloid news who get a hold of, uh, like a hold of these things that kind of like blow these things up. But should yeah. we? Should we? Well, should we? This, I think this time it's been the sports journalists. You know. Yeah. More, I mean, I think the pre two thousand eighteen party. Obviously, somebody's made some money off that. You know, somebody leaked those photos and made money by selling them to uh, what's it called uh, TV Notas. But you know, should we should, should we be hyper 
should we be hyper focusing on this all the time? I know it's 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 big news and it's something that and it's making the rounds right now, which is why we're talking about it. But is this kind of indicative of just like how like not hyper obsessed, but just like how we how 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 under the spotlight these players are, how under the microscope these players are? You know, are, are we are we overthinking this too much? And therefore, we'll say like, oh, this is why there's problems with the Mexican national team because of Chicharito stuff off the field and blah blah. Like, is this just normal in other national teams? But it's just it's never really focused on nearly as much as we focus in on it. That's just the thing that kind of. Yeah. I, I, keep, I don't know. I, th- I think it happens elsewhere. I mean, I think there's a perception in Mexico and the people within in the game they they doesn't happen elsewhere, but it does. I mean, look at England this week. You know, there's a, a fight in the canteen between Raheem Sterling and uh, that Gomez guy, and it's like, you know, it happens. You know what I mean? It does get, especially in the big football nations. I mean, I think within the United States, it's just it's not a big deal, is it? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that that sometimes. Don't know, makes it a different prism. You've seen it through, you know, sometimes through a different prism, but I think most it, it is like that. It's just, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, sometimes it's like, what's the point? But at the same time, the players, I mean, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're an experienced, especially the experienced players, like the younger players, you can mess up. You know, everybody in the life does things that are stupid. You know what I mean? And, and you get away with them or you don't get away with them. And if you don't get away with them, then you take it. But when you kind yeah, of... Yeah, I'm not forgiving them either. I'm not like, don't think that I'm yeah. like, forgive for these things. I just, and I'm not saying just like, oh, you know, boys will be boys. And they're just out making mistakes. I'm not, I'm not justifying that. I'm not saying yeah. that it's okay that whatever they did is fine. Uh, and I recognize that, yeah, when you're, and you have this kind of attention, when you, when you're well aware of the media following them 24-7, these things are going to come out. I just feel, I just feel weird when like, this is the thing yeah, that this we're is talking a, about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, not not us because you know, I've, I don't think we've hardly tweeted about it, and it's not. You don't want to talk about it. I don't care. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's in a lot of ways, not. But then, like, when it's like Chicharito might not play again for the national team, then it's like kind of like, all right, you know, then it becomes like now it's an issue because now it's affecting the sporting side. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't know. I, I think the. I think it goes back to another issue, which is, I don't know, I'm sure I've talked about it too much, but I don't know, it's just the way that the PRs run, the way that the press yeah. are run. I mean, sometimes you have to manage, manage the press, you know what I mean? And I think that the Mexican press are starved. I think they're starved of info. I yeah. think they're starved of kind of access. And I think that when you're starved of that stuff, I don't think, is it vin- uh, vindictive? Maybe, maybe in some cases, but I think the majority isn't vindictive. It's just that, your your company is sending you to go and cover a game, to go and cover a national team, and when you've got absolutely nothing in terms of interviews, in terms of not even interviews, you know, like access to uh, press conferences, you know what I mean? Mexico, the Mexican national team do a minimum of of press. Um, for example, you know they've not they've not spoken at all this week. Anything that's come yeah. out this week has been. I think Tata Martino might have spoken at the uh, Salon de Fama. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously to the NA, the, the rights holders, I think they've got an interview, but everybody else is kind of what we're going to, you know, the national team sells, you know, the, the editors are thinking the national team sells, um, what are we going to write? About? Yeah. You know, what we're going to, what we're going to talk about on our shows. And I think there's two, there's two ways to go about it. Either you don't talk about the national team, which is happening as well, because I think that, you know, if you look at the Mexican websites, which, you know, I do pretty much every morning, this week there's been very very little on the national team you know yeah. and and that's not you want to hype your national team you know but if nobody's speaking then you've got nothing to to really talk about or 
you do the other you go the other way and you find stuff to talk about and i think this is a case where they've been finding stuff to talk about you know i mean you... so you're saying that the ff they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot because they do the minimum press you're saying that because so much stuff is you know done behind closed doors and not just like so publicly and like so they do the minimum amount of work out there like press wise that people are just kind of forced to create their own like kind of like not saying conspiracy theories but their own theories as to what's going on behind those closed doors what's happening in certain situations so is, is, is that what you're kind of saying yeah i think that and the other one you know there's a, it's a, like a kind of diversion thing so you know yeah. for example you look down the list of players um you know all right macias macias likes to talk to the media he's a bright guy Okay, arriving camp on on Sunday night. Why not? Why not have a press conference on Monday? I mean, they open the doors for ten minutes to the training. Yeah. I live in Mexico City. I can go there, but I mean, I know I don't want to sound kind of negative, but what's the point of me going? Right, right. To, to watch ten minutes of training, you know, um, like my editors at ESPN, I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, go down there, watch ten minutes of training, and write a story on what you saw, you know. But the Mexican press are. I mean, you know what I mean? They'll be like, oh, this this happened. And, and it, I mean, it, but if you put someone in a press conference, then I would go. And then I write yeah. about, you know, you put Macias there. You know, oh, Macias, you know, what, what do you think about this this camp? What's going on with Leon? What's going on with the European future? And then all of a sudden you might have a story. And then that kind of kind of um, overshadows the other story going on. What do you think about Chicharito? But then you have a PR person in the background telling him how to respond to the natural Chicharito question. Um, you know, advising him how to do it the next day. Why not put a choa? Um, yeah. you know, 15 minute press conference. I mean, they're there, all they're doing is sat there, they're in the, they're in the you know, the car. That's where they are. They're not, they're not kind of, you know, put Horado up there. You know, Hector Moreno's been in, um, you know, Qatar for a few months now. How's he getting on? You know, does anyone really know? I mean, I think he gave an interview to do the end, or did he? I can't remember now, but you know. That, that's that's one player per day. Like other national teams, if you cover, you know, even Belgium, I actually get the press releases for Belgium because I, I went there and, um, the, you know, they kind of put me on the list. But it's like Belgium have got like, Ezen Hada has, I mean, every day they've got something basically. And they've yeah. got like top players. I mean, they've got Eden Hazard speaking, Lukaku speaking, the next day the manager speaking. Every day they've got something. And I always remember going to US v Mexico in um, what's it called Columbus, and every day the US press had something, you know they were given something, you know it might have been the MLS commissioner, it might have been the head of the the US soccer, it might have been a player, it might have been the manager. They had something to write about, something to talk about, and they could set the tone. Whereas with Mexico, they gave you absolutely nothing. Yeah, you're lucky you have... if you even put on the 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 list to be uh, given press releases. I've been... Yeah. It, it takes a long time. For, yeah. I've been waiting for that. <laughs> no, it's, it took me a couple of years to get on the, the list, but so you know when the press conferences are. But I mean, um, well, the point is that when you're just in a shell like that, then other people are going to set the narrative, you know, and you're chasing it. You're, ch you're chasing, you're always going to be chasing that story. So I don't think they help themselves. But then again, at the end of the day, if, if the players are doing stuff like flying girls around the country, you know, and meeting up with the hotels. It's, it's just. I mean, some of them, a lot of them are married as well. It's, it's just yeah. not, not right. It's not, not a thing to do. All right. Well, Tom, we're about to hit the hour point. So really quickly, uh, I feel like we got to talk about the U17 World Cup. 
uh, because according to my dad, that's the game that really matters for Mexico this week. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday, so we're not going to go too in-depth with this. We're just going to kind of like touch on it really quickly. Uh, But, you know, for those who are going to be watching tomorrow's game, for those who are going to be listening to this before tomorrow's game, we've got a huge match for Mexico. They, uh, you know, so it's pretty impressive, too. So quick little summary. Uh, they finished in third place of Group F. They had four points, uh, two points behind Italy and three points behind Paraguay. Looked like things were going to be a little tough for Mexico in the knockout round, but nonetheless, they got a 2 nothing win over Japan in the round of 16. They got a 1 nothing win over South Korea in the quarterfinals, and somehow, now they're, almost astonishingly, they're in the they're the semis now against the Netherlands. Uh, so that'll be tomorrow. Tom, how are you feeling about this game because I don't know I feel like it's already a success I mean no matter what happens I'm already pretty pretty happy about this and of course we could talk about the long-term stuff and you know see like which one of these players end up becoming you know key options for L3 going forward but I, I already feel really happy as a Mexico fan none like regardless of what happens tomorrow yeah no I think it's been great I mean uh absolutely you know can't can't complain about uh you know reaching another semi-final um, you know, you, you're in the semi-final with what is it? Is it France, Brazil, the Netherlands, and Mexico? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're up there with some, you know, you know, g- genuine giants there. So, I don't think they've kind of lit up the tournament. If I'm being really honest, I mean, I yeah. know that, and I know that's. I don't want to sound negative. I don't think they have. But at the end of the day, it's also a very good sign that they've got the they've got the job done. You know, they, they've they've continued to grind out results. You know, they finished third in the group. Uh, tough group as well, uh, but but you know they got through, and then you know obviously against the Asian nations, Japan and South Korea, you know I think they I think they deserve to to win both the games. They weren't they weren't perfect by any means, uh, but now this is the this is the big one. The Netherlands have been uh, very good so far this tournament, but you know it's like we we've said previously. I mean, under 17s level, you know there's there's stuff in the Mexican press sometimes that it's like uh, only 20 of the 90, you know under-17 players Mex- that Mexico's, you know, featured in uh, under-17 World Cup semifinals and have consolidated the career, it's completely normal. You know, yeah, that's actually probably, probably a high yeah. number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, th- so sometimes I see articles and they're like, oh, the- only these amount of players have-, have consolidated themselves. And it's like, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, I, I, do- I do think there the probably is an issue in terms of jumping up to that under-20s. And then but that- that's a development issue that isn't necessarily... Um, the players, you know what I mean. I think you know that's a completely different subject on the on the, deve- the developmental system in Mexico. But but yeah, I think I think the key. Uh, obviously, it's good to see Mexico do well. It's, it's a good sign more than anything. Um, hopefully, they can put up a really strong fight against the Netherlands, and yeah, it'd be great to get through. No, a little final against against Brazil would be nice in Brazil. Yeah. I think that'd be a, just oh, a fantastic yeah. experience for these players because the crowds haven't been great down there. Um, and and let's not forget when Mexico hosted this in 2011, the crowds were absolutely brilliant. So it's um, so yeah, but no, I mean I think you look you look down the you know the list of players that we've seen, um, and there's some good players. You know, yeah. I think that's the key at under 17s level. If you can get three, four, you know, if you can get five of these players into the the full first team, you know, in 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 ten years or you know five to ten years, then that's it, job done. Um, you know, I, I like um, I like the Gomez, the, the number four, the centre back. Yep. Um, I like the way he plays out the back. I think he's got good vision. Something about him. 
Pizzuto as well. He's obviously he reminds me a bit of the old old <laughs> Torrado. I don't know why. He's just a very business-like midfielder. Uh, Brian Gonzalez as well on the wing. I think he's uh, he's got something about him. Efrain Alvarez is uh, I don't know. He's a he's a fascinating player. Efrain Alvarez. He just because he's definitely he's got something that. 99.9% of players doesn't have. I mean, some of the touches and the moves and the passes, you're just like, wow, he's just, he's, he's got to put that together. And I think that's the, that's the Efrain Alvarez conundrum, no? There's a reason why Zlatan Ibrahimovic has talked so highly of him. You know, Zlatan's seen that every day in training. He knows, I don't know, he's just, he's very aware. He's got the technical ability, but he needs to put it together. He needs to find that consistency. You know, it's worrying that he's been brought off after 70 minutes. Although, you know, a lot of the time, players, you know, teams are marking, giving him special attention, and then when he comes off, I think it gives freedom for for other players as well. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, there's some some good players. Josué Martinez as well from Monterrey, um, yeah. alongside Bizuto has has been been good as well. I mean, speaking of Bizuto, that's a that's definitely a fascinating story. Actually, uh, I got in touch with like I think one of his like former coaches or what or something like that. But apparently, he spent. Two years uh, in Wellington, New Zealand, and yeah. he he attended a boarding school out there, and he attended Wellington Phoenix Academy. Uh, so apparently, yeah. like, his family kind of like used it for like experience and like education, and for like for him like studying the English language. And apparently, like they loved him out there. And clearly, he's a, a special talent. But it was just kind of fascinating that like I didn't know much about Pizzuto when he got called up, but I was like, all right, who's this guy? I did some research. I had no idea that he actually spent some time out there in New Zealand. That's just not a typical story that you hear about about a you know Mexican player. And the other no. interesting thing, thing, interesting thing too, is like I mean, you got to bring up. I think you you retweeted it, or I, I saw someone retweet it. But I read the article about FIFA dot com. Actually, a great article on uh, Edson Alvarez and also on Santiago Santiago Munoz. You know, two Mexican American players who've been very very crucial players for all three. Yeah, no, yeah, Munoz as well, to be fair, has been excellent. But yeah, with Pizzuto as well, the other interesting thing is he's got a European passport. Yeah. And so that absolutely opens doors. I think, um, I think parents or grandparents are from Italy. So, um, so yeah, no, it's, it's interesting with the Mexican-American as well. Quite a multinational kind of squad, this one, for Mexico. Because you've got uh, Bruce El Mesmari, who's of Armenian descent. You know, you've got Efrain Alvarez and Munoz, who were both obviously Mexican American, and um, you know, I don't know it's they've been two key players, and it's kind of you see what happened with the United States, and it's they were a disaster. I mean, they were they had like the worst tournament ever. But, anyways, that'll do. That's um, it should be good. I'm looking forward to it. I like yeah, seeing the younger course. players, and and it's kind of it gives you a kind of boost, you know, even covering the Mexican game and stuff when you see the Mexican players go up against. You know, other nations, even at youth level, and they're competing. You know, and Mexico have done that minimum; they've competed. The next step is obviously to be de- to develop these players, and like, and like I said, it'd be great to get that experience of of them being in a final. But I'd say it's odds against them against uh, against the Netherlands. Okay, so that wraps up part one of today's Mexican soccer. <laughs> On part two, Tom's gonna preview Martinique versus Honduras. Tom, what are your thoughts? on the martinique now i'm just kidding i'm just messing with you <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah thanks to everyone uh i was say for listening to this mini episode i mean it's it's an hour it's and a mega eight, episode it's a mega episode mega pod. Mega <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a quick shout out for fans of the office there um but tom thanks UK so much. what was US? it 
Oh, come US on. version. The US version so much better. I watched a UK version and like it just it just wasn't the pacing that I wanted. It was too I mean I get I get British humor. I like British humor a little bit, but the US version is uh is is much much better. There's a reason why the US version uh, had numerous seasons and had the success that it had. More young talent than Brits. <laughs> More money. More money. <laughs> Look at capitalist Cesar over here talking about the US version of the office. <laughs> But uh, but this is uh, this is uh, Cesar signing off. I've got my uh, co-host uh, Dwight Schrute over here uh, signing off as well. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, thanks, that? Tom. Thanks, everybody. Maybe. And uh, until next time, we'll see you on the next edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Oh, boy.